Mr. Del Toro. Mr. Del Toro, he's going to borrow. Borrow? That's gibberish. A lot like Guillermo <laughs> del Toro's movies. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. That You don't even agree with that, everyone outside and in between. Welcome, Welcome back. back. You don't even agree with the thing you said. Do I? My name. <laughs> Do I? I don't think so. My name is Sam Vanigan. And I am Andrew Thomas. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is a movie art discussion podcast. Uh, normally we do just like one movie. This week is a little special. We're doing one of our one of our classic projects. Back at it a month later. This one's on time. We did it. We did it. Uh, but before we get into all that, Andrew, how was your week? Ah, uh, week was good. Good week. Still just trying to survive, but had some uh, notable, notice, notable, 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 notable moments that were great. Nice. Uh, Yeah, just trying, still, still just living. Sam, how about you? Yeah, my week was pretty good. Ups and downs. But, you know, overall, pretty good week, I would say. I got to watch like a bunch of banger movies this week. So opposed to nice. other weeks? Yeah, opposed to other weeks. We did Uncharted last week. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> then we did other good stuff. <laughs> then we do other good stuff too. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes. Then other times we watched Hellboy 1. Guillermo Whoa. del Toro. Whoa. Guillermo del Toro's filmography from Coronos to Best Picture nominee Nightmare Alley. We're talking about them Mm -hmm. all. His whole filmography. Um, Over the past month, we've been watching all his films, and it's been crazy. Yeah. Uh, I would love to just get your overall, you know how we do this. How was your, what were you thinking, feeling about Guillermo del Toro before we started? And yeah. Anything else you want to say about that? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, before we did this, like, I I had always really liked Guillermo del Toro. Um, I, like, Shape of Water was incredible the first time I saw it. Pacific Rim I loved since it came out. Like, Hellboy I've loved since I was a kid. Um, but I hadn't watched any of his other stuff. I never watched like Pan's Labyrinth or Crimson Peak or, um, uh, like Devil's Backbone or anything, anything earlier. Um, and so I was just kind of excited, uh, to do a director that I was pretty sure I was gonna love, uh, and not, I wasn't like dreading watching the next Guillermo del Toro thing. Like it was kind of as you like have been like, before in the past. Yeah, for our for for our last two projects, yeah, I've been a little upset uh, going through Quentin Tarantino and David Lynch. Uh, was not always a I would say good time. Uh, so yeah, it was nice to to be like excited to like do this. I would be like, ooh, 
what am, what am I going to watch tonight? Ooh, oh, I can I can watch the next Guillermo del Toro. The next, the next del Toro joy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which which was great. I loved it. Um, so yeah, I I I went in already liking Guillermo del Toro, and I came out with Guillermo del Toro as probably one of my favorite directors. Great. Ever. Uh, what about you? Um, yeah, I mean, Guillermo del Toro's been a guy I've always looked at. I remember seeing Hellboy 2 in theaters, and since then I've seen all his other films in theaters. I went back to watch uh, Kronos and Devil's Backbone and Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth I've always been a really huge fan of. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first saw it, I was not a fan of Pacific Rim. And I watched it a few years after that. It came out in like 2013, I want to say. And then probably like two or three years later, I watched it. And still wasn't a fan. So I walked in expecting uh, hit, hit or misses with mm-hmm. Mr. Guillermo del Toro. And I got yeah. that. <laughs> I got that. But I will say there's a point in his career where things just step up and no one else is doing what he's doing. For worse, I was gonna say for better or for worse, but for worse, um, I—he's one of those artists that make you go, "You gotta step your game up, guys. You gotta step your game up." Yeah, for real, for real. But he's also like the lamest person to ever live, (laughs) and I love that. I love that. I think that's great. (laughs) But he's like a dork. He's like such a dork. Yeah. Quentin Tarantino, Edgar Wright, and, and Guillermo del Toro. Big dork boys. Huge dorks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sure. Okay. I get it. Uh, I can see what you're talking about. Yeah. So, um, uh, hey, Sam. Uh, What's up? Oh God, no! We're not doing this. No, nope, no, no, no. I have no, no, something no. on my foot, no, 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 no. and it's like nope. an ingrown toe. What should I uh-huh. do with it? It's like, uh, it's like, jeez. Uh, you should probably cut off your whole foot. Cut off my whole foot? No, but I feel like it might go through my nose and find a crevice. Chronos? Hey, I'm trying. It's late. Chronos, 1990. It's. Just to be clear, it's 10 p.m. in New York City right hey, now. Hey, sometimes Andrew does these late and he has to get up early to watch Shape of Water. So <laughs> it's, it's sometimes, sometimes we talk about at the beginning of the month, oh, yeah, if you just watch three movies a week. Yeah, Andrew ain't got time and for that. Get, and then we get to the end of the month and Andrew's like, I have to watch three movies a day to get there. Hey. I got, I had, I was busy. I had engagements. Kronos. What year did it come out? 1990, I want to say six. Dang, the year we were born. 93. 93, never mind. Three years before (laughs) that glorious year. Um, baby Ron Perlman. (laughs) Yeah, little baby Ron Perlman. It's crazy. Yeah, it was weird. I was not expecting it. I've never seen him young. 
<laughs> yeah, I've only ever seen him as an old man. And he still looked old, yes. but it was still wild to be like, that's a baby Ron Perlman. And also, we'll talk about Ron Perlman throughout. But, like, yeah. one thing that I love, I feel like you also see his progression as an actor. Yeah. Through these movies. And yeah. Such a... I, it's... What, please. It, it's it's just such a... It's such an indicator of, like, how good Guillermo del Toro is as a director, but also, like, probably as, like, a boss, that, like, so many actors keep coming back. So many actors are just like there for it, and will just keep coming back for the rest of the for the rest of Guillermo's career. Uh huh. Which is great. I love that. It is. I mean, one thing they'll say a, a lot of the or actually all of the directors we've done have had actors that are ride or die that stick. Yeah, ride or die. Stick with you from first to to last film. Or latest yeah. in some cases, um, it's it is good to. Ha- I don't. It's like a troupe, right? It's like an acting troupe with yeah. with Guillermo del Toro and with Rod Perlman. It was nice to have him. He starts also spoiler alerts for every single one of these movies. Every single one. Yeah. Some we won't spoil, but hey, do you want to take the chance? Just in case, everyone go watch all of Guillermo del Toro's movies. <laughs> Like Most how he's like a pretty sle- good. <laughs> like he's a sleazy, a sleazy, a sleazy, like a henchman in this movie. Mm-hmm. Then he becomes a superhero. Then he becomes a like right after a superhero, he's like a mobster, uh, like yeah. an anime mobster. Yeah, it's so interesting to see how like how many different mustaches can this guy put on? Does that make sense? Yeah. Is that a good quote? Good quote or bad quote? Yeah. His must his mustache game between like Blade Two and uh, he is in Blade Two. <laughs> he is in Blade Two. He was gonna get a skull blown up. He is in Blade Two. Hey, wait a minute. He is in Blade Two, but like between that and like a Nightmare Alley, he's is crazy. Yeah, it, yeah. Good for Rod, but Kronos, a vampire film. I haven't seen this since, like, 2015. Uh, I didn't realize how much fun it was. Yeah, it's a blast. It's, that scene in the bathroom is, yeah. like, nutty well done. Like, it's so, it's like, ooh, this is, I'm, I'm, like, getting creeped out in such a weird way. It's great. And also, it's like some Three Stooges humor with, with yeah. <laughs> Rod Perlman's nose getting broken. Oh, it's so good. So good. Starting off the game as a first film, how do you feel, especially seeing the promise that he does fulfill? Like, yeah, you for me, at least, I feel like you do see some hesitation to go hashtag full Guillermo. Yes, I the hesitations. You definitely there is some hesitation. I think I mean, I don't know if it's hesitation or, or if it's like he's just this is his first like feature. He's still trying to find like his thing. Yeah. You know, I don't know if it's like growing pains or a hesitation. It's hard to tell without like being there. Um, but I think Kronos is, is a great like first feature. Like uh, it, it, it stands out as, as like 
okay, I see what you're going for, and I know you could be you could be great just based on this movie. Yeah. There was an equal chance that like he did this and then mimic and then like Devil's Backbone and Blade 2 and was like that was and he like would do like one kind of more personal movie that was like better and then kind of like a bigger movie that's kind of shitty. Yeah. <laughs> a personal movie that's a little bit better and then another studio movie that's kind of shitty. That could have been Guillermo's career. Uh but instead he and like for the first, in my opinion, for the first uh, five movies, it is. Mm-hmm. It, he does have that, and like we all have to start somewhere, right? Sometimes mimic yeah. shows up on your on your desk, and you direct mimic. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, uh, even like going to mimic, like we don't have a whole lot to say about Kronos. We got a lot of movies yeah, Kronos was fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I hey, like Sam, it. stop copying me. Stop mimicking nope. me. Mimic, mimic. Nope. <laughs> mimic is a, a, not a great movie, but a very effective film. Those bugs Ooh. are creepy. Like, Guillermo, this is where I feel like Guillermo is, sti- is still really figuring out, like, his thing. Um,. With like the small character moments that are in Mimic and the and the creepy as hell bugs, um, that I think really work, despite that the story of that movie kind of being like eh, aliens. Yeah, it's okay, whatever. Have yeah. you seen James Cameron's Aliens? I have. Yeah, it's a blast. <laughs> it's good. Let's do that again. Um, uh, so yeah, it's it, but also uh, the first appearance of uh, Doug Jones. In a Guillermo del Toro movie. Yes. Imagine. Imagine. I wonder what their first day on set was like. Right? Was like, it like a crazy. magical moment? Was it like sunset? They, and they Guillermo del Toro eyes. was waiting in a doorway with a hat yeah. swirling on his on his finger. <laughs> and Doug Jones was like, hey, mister, I'm here for the new I'm here for the new picture. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, I'm the director, son. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I like to imagine. <laughs> One day you're going to be a fish god. I promise. <laughs> I promise, kid. One day. <laughs> One day. Um, yeah, I, I, I think those bugs are really effective. And it's like Guillermo gets getting to do more practical effects work that he's clearly really likes. He's learning how to do like creepy stuff. And there's so many small character moments in Mimic that really were charming for me that I that I was a big fan of. If you remember, what were some of the moments for you that that stood the out? For one, you? the one that really stood out for me was when they're in the subway car um, at the end, and they're like planning like who needs to go to like which thing to like flip the breakers or whatever the fuck yeah um to get the subway moving one of them like pulls out a pack of cigarettes like while they're talking and then pulls out a cigarette and like puts it in their mouth and then someone like taps them and without like missing a beat they just like look at them and then like hand them a cigarette and then light it for them and then light their own and it's like this is a small little thing that like not just because it's smoking but like that type of interaction does not exist in blockbuster movies anymore yeah like these small little things that are just like oh this is just a little bit of an indication of like the internal lives of these characters you know yeah no i hear what you're saying it's it's not like we're gonna see like a marvel movie 
and like they're like planning whatever plan that they got around a table and someone's going to pull out like a pack of gum and start chewing and like hand a piece to somebody else when they ask for it right like that sort of thing isn't the uh, directors and studios now don't think that that stuff matters but guillermo knows how important that stuff is and keeps it in all of his movies he does keep the small human moments of of yeah you can always look in the background there's something happening there's someone doing something that's important it's not just you know actors standing with their teeth in their head like yeah yeah no i i see that yeah no Mimic to me was just like a mediocre blur. <laughs> oh yeah, it's I'm I'm not saying I remember any other detail about this movie, mm-hmm. but like the bugs were good. It gets the, what it's the like to character walk. moments were good. It gets what it's like to walk on a subway platform at night. <laughs> yeah. It gets that like I might turn around, it might be some guy, it might be Patrick Bateman with a with an axe, or it might be some twelve foot tall bug man. And that's yeah. how I'm going to perish. Hopefully that neither of those things are behind this column. <laughs> um, yeah. But um, I, I'm, it's just, I think, I think these, for, for me, these for, like Kronos and Mimic really just like are such a like good ramp up to like good, like planting of seeds mm-hmm. that Guillermo then will later what are some of the seeds that you see at this point in, in these two movies? The, the, obviously the use of like practical effects. Oh, baby. Uh, is are in both of these, the like kind of weird, like modern fantasy stuff. Hybrid. That just becomes, yeah. The crossover is yeah, like, yeah. His, his bread and butter is like a realistic thing full of fantasy right like mm-hmm. it's a data it's a normal life but then there's magic like that's kind of um what he does um that that's here and and yeah the like small character moments of of just like these people are alive and breathing and are not just here to deliver dialogue yeah, well, it's good that you notice that it takes it takes a good person. You have to have a strong a strong backbone, not like the devil's the devil's backbone. Two thousands, the devil's backbone. <laughs> yeah, what did you think about devil's backbone? It's cute, like oh, it's I've uh, going back to again. This is one long conversation, folks. You gotta keep up with the episodes. To go yeah. back to what we were talking about with David Lynch, and I forget what movie it was. It was Lost Highway to mm. Mulholland Drive, and how you were like, you can feel Lost Highway is kind of like the blueprint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To Mulholland Drive, the yeah. Devil's Backbone is the blueprint to Pan's Labyrinth. One hundred percent. Such yeah. a way of like, yeah. oh, it was weird watching it because I was like, oh, I like there were a lot of things I forgot. And a lot of things where I was like, oh, they do that in Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, that's in Pan's Labyrinth. Hey, that this is the same setting as Pan's Labyrinth. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it works out. It's good. And there's a lot of really effective scares. Something that Guillermo does in all the movies that I like and don't like. He has a vibe. 
He knows mm-hmm. that no matter what, at least when this is played on TNT, people are going to go, whoa, what's that? <laughs> at yeah. least, bare minimum. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, what did you think of Devil's Backbone? I really liked Devil's Backbone. I really liked it. Uh, it it really felt like, oh, this is something that Guillermo has like thought about a lot. Mm. I, have not, I have not seen Pan's Labyrinth before this watch. Yes. So I was not aware of all of the similarities until I watched Pan's Labyrinth. And then I went, Oh, devil's backbone was like training grounds for, <laughs> for Pan's Labyrinth. Um, but I still, I thought Pan's, I thought uh, devil's backbone was like very, very well done. Um, love the, love the setting, love the story, love the, like almost like, um, claustrophobic feeling of it yes yes oh we're just stuck in this building with this ghost and this bomb and like be like that sometimes (laughs) yeah one of these things is gonna get real bad i'm sure Uh, yo yo look at the world right now it'd be like that sometimes it'd be like that there's a ghost and a bomb Uh, yeah Um, <laughs> I also I also like in in all three of these movies in Kronos and Mimic and in Devil's Backbone, Guillermo's like like um, telling of stories like through children. Yes, is is really nice to watch. Like he really treats children with a lot of um, like respect and like honor. That like is that I think like a lot of a lot of movies and stuff that like use children in their storytelling usually don't yes they kind of go like eh whatever like they're just kids but guillermo goes like no like they're people and they're growing and they're learning and all this different stuff but like they can be just as important as the head scientist who knows how to kill cockroaches who is just as important as the the you know anti-fascist doctor at an orphanage um, kind of like know. Mr. Spielberg with like E.T. and, and uh, Jurassic yeah. Park. Yeah, very similar to, to Spielberg. I have another, I have one more big comparison to Spielberg later. Oh, I uh, hit me with it, baby, when, you, when we get there. Yeah, well, it's in a few movies, don't worry about it. Uh, um, with, um, and also this is where he really, this is where he tells his, production design this is where he tells his cinematographer that you can tell again not this is not the putt he really like grows a backbone and he's like this is what i want it to look like yes this is what it needs to look like mm-hmm. oh it does it all right everyone go home we'll just we'll do it again we'll wait till the paint comes in because everything's yeah. so perfectly crafted or not perfectly yeah. crafted not yet it's still it's yeah, still a yet. little rough around the edges it's still but you start to see the director come out yes yeah um, this feels like like where where chronos and mimic were like really good kind of like entry points of like oh yeah he's like figuring out what he wants to do mm-hmm. devil's backbone he just goes this is what i want to do take it or leave it take like it. here it is and this is the movie i want to make and he so I'm gonna l- make it 
and he, he left it. And he left it. he left it. He left it and picked up two swords, two blades, blade two. Who we? Yeah. Look, you gotta get the money. You gotta get some money. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> you gotta fund. You gotta fund Pan's Labyrinth somehow. I get it. I get it, man. <laughs> Sometimes. Blade 2 hits your desk, and you just direct Blade 2. You yeah. have no say. It was just, yeah. oh, dang. You want to make you want to make more more movies in America? This is it. This is what you're going to do. I liked Blade 2. I didn't love it. I, I, I thought it was garbage. It was... So, we watched both... I watched both Blades. I know you watched both Blades. I watched both Blades. I hadn't seen Blade before. I, I was like, I'll check it out. Blade 1 was wild. Blood for the Blood God, first off. Very important. Blood for the Blood God. Second off, it's so stupid. I could totally... It's so dumb. I could totally see chugging about and doing seeing that movie. It's the best movie I've ever seen. Like... <laughs> Like I can totally. <laughs> I was uh uh when the other last weekend I was talking to Justin. Um, we were hanging out before while while he was waiting for a game to download that we could play together, and uh, he was asking me about it, and I was just like, "Oh yeah, Blade is wild. It's really bad." And he was like, "Oh yeah, I haven't seen it. I've I've, I've been thinking about it, but I'm not sure." And I was like, "Justin, they're so bad. Like in the second one." a guy does a line of blood cocaine at one point and Justin went, uh-huh. <laughs> and, and then I like just explained like other weird things that happen in Blade and Blade 2. And he was like, I might love these movies. That's the like, thing. The more I think about it, the more I think about it, you and Andrew will probably both love Blade and Blade 2. <laughs> Um, but going back to what you said with small character moments, as stupid as they are, you see, like, there is character moments. There are moments that make this world feel a little bit more real. Um, also now complete sidetrack. Are you excited for, uh, Mahershala? Mahershala Ali? I am excited just because I love Mahershala Ali. He's just one of the best, he's just one of the best actors working right now yeah he is he is um like i i really want to watch swan song his apple tv thing i didn't know that existed i think it's either i think it's a movie i think it's a movie Woo-hoo! but it's like him in like a leading role in like a weird sci-fi thing it looks interesting Ooh. <clears throat> yeah i remember as a little boy i was like "Ooh, blade marvel Let, let's watch it and i saw i was oh, like yeah maybe six and it scared me it was the opening scene oh, yeah. and it started raining blood and i was like oh oh no <laughs> yeah i just what haven't your... watched it until a few weeks ago yeah what was your what was your thing that you said the other day about it about blade and the rave scene i mean the first blade specifically came out in 1998 a year before the matrix the wachowskis <laughs> must have saw it sat down and said oh my god uh-oh uh oh, uh oh. Are people gonna think we're gonna, we're stealing that? Oh no! <laughs> like that must have been like a, a a sword dangling on their above their head. <laughs> yeah, but worked I out think for that's them. Very funny. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Blade Two was just kind of whatever for Guillermo. I think he did he did what he could. 
Yeah, I just wish, like, it, he wasn't alive. Like, especially yeah. after Devil's Backbone. Especially yeah. after Devil's Backbone. It's extremely disappointing that he just is a studio director. There's some yeah. fun, cute moments. There's some nice body horror, but I don't know. I just wanted him to ra- raise hell, boy. Hell, boy. Uh, I, I think it's, it, is, it is interesting that he did a comic book movie, and then he went, no, I can do that better. And he goes off and makes Hellboy. He does make which, 2000. I, in my opinion, kicks ass. <laughs> In my opinion, I'm the first Hellboy, and I want to make it first clear Hellboy. right now. The first, I've never just—it's never been my thing. I've it the it has a lot of pacing issues in that back half, but the first half is so well done oh. that it's kind of it makes up for it in my eyes. Side note: Remember that part in the first Blade when Blade there's this really cool fight. It's like the greatest fight I've ever seen. And then Blade cuts one of the vampires in half, and then he like stops, and they mold back in to himself, like with the blood. You remember yeah. that scene? Yeah. CGI is awful, but like if the CGI was good, that's a fun concept. <laughs> that's a that is fun. That is very fun. Well, and, hey, maybe uh, Jared Leto will do it in Morbius. Oh, good God! Um, <laughs> Hellboy. Yeah, it's paced weird. It's super bad pacing. It's better than the 2019 one. Remember that 2019 one with David Harbour? I refuse. I refuse to remember that one. But Hell, but Hellboy also like like the production design of Hellboy is off the charts good. Like Guillermo really knows the look and vibe that he's going for now and just nails it. Yeah. And then we're back. Doug Jones, Fishboy 2. Point, or 1.0. Yeah, it is. Uh, and Ron Perlman back again. He was in Blade and was he in Mimic? I think he was in Mimic. No, that was Josh Brolin. Yeah, it's Josh Brolin. The other baby. The other baby. The other baby boy. Um, yeah. What did I want to say about Hellboy? Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman. Makeup's great. Yeah. Makeup's great in Hellboy. He looks like, and also, it's Rod Perlman's mug. It also helps. Yeah. Like, it's just yeah. such a perfect, like, <laughs> it's like the gods made it so that it would just all work <laughs> out. They made, they made, uh, Ron Perlman and they made Mike Mag- Magnolia, M- Mike Magnolia. What's his name? Mike uh, hell boy, writer Mike. Yeah, I have no idea. Mike, Mike, Mike Mignola. Um, they made Ron Perlman in Mike Mignola's image of Hellboy. <laughs> Truly, like yeah, yeah. What great casting! What great makeup! And Doug Jones as Abe Sapien is really good. And also, um, spelling. Is her last name? Uh, starts with an S. I know that. Uh, are you talking about Liz? Yes. 
Selma Blair. Selma Blair. First name started. Selma Blair is great. Yeah, she does a great job. They have a lot of... And, f- oh, sorry. And uh, John Hurt and Jeffrey Tambor are just, just having a great time. Yeah. A lot... It's a fun cast. And you can tell mm. that they're having fun. And with them, like, wearing such probably constricting things, it's great that you can tell that they're having so much fun. Yeah. But I, there's just a part in that movie where I go, what's happening? What's yeah, going no, the, on? <laughs> the third act is like bad in Hellboy. But the first two acts are really good. Um it's just a true I just it doesn't make sense to me. It's like walking through a labyrinth. I hate this so much. I hate every time we do this. This I I always forget that you do this until you start talking. And then I'm like, oh, fuck, he does this every time, and I hate it, and I need to not. Pan's Labyrinth, 2006, Pan's Labyrinth, where Guillermo del Toro said, but you forgot about Dre, where Guillermo del Toro said, all right, it's, it's done. I'm done playing with children. Okay. Yeah. Good God. Yeah. What a picture. What a picture to a watch picture. when Russia invades Ukraine. That's the what thing. A, like, yeah, between like, like it is present in, I think, all of his movies, but especially like Devil's Backbone, Hellboy, and Pan's Labyrinth. Really just like, Guillermo just goes, fuck fascism, pieces of shit. It's like, yes, this kicks ass. Let's go. Even at like a hundred percent, a hundred percent, he does that. But also, it's just mean people who hurt Guillermo. That's what I want to know. Who hurt Guillermo del Toro? Yeah, how how dare you? First who, off, whoever broke Guillermo's little heart, how dare you? Who made him make? Who in two thousand five or four just broke his heart and he said, "You know what? I, I'll show you." Yeah, <laughs> and he went on to make Pan's Labyrinth. A fucking insanely good movie. Holy shit. Who can you look up the bad guy? The the horrible, horrible dad? Uh yeah. Uh da, da, da. his name is Sergi Lopez. Sergi Lopez? Yeah. Great. Yeah. Great at being <laughs> despicable. Yeah. Him and uh um uh Ariadna Gill, um, playing Carmen, the uh, mm-hmm. the the like maid, yes. head maid, yes, 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 lady, Just fucking insanely good performances. <laughs> it, you forget that every time you're on a scene with them or with one of them isolated. You're like yeah. watching it and you're really into the movie. Then a big antler man just walks in and you're like, oh yeah, this is a fantasy movie. Oh my God, yeah. I forgot. Like in his other movies and in particularly Hellboy, you it, people are in costumes sometimes. Like people are standing yeah. around in costumes and it's like, yeah. cool, but I can go to Comic-Con. Um, <laughs> that's, that's some harsh words. But in Pan's Labyrinth, he really gets how to make fantasy storytelling that 
has not been done since like Lord of the Rings and since then, like old serials in the fifties. Like he gets yeah. how to creep you out on on a weird level. <laughs> yeah. On a texture um, level, on a texture that you can't it's a picture of a texture, but yet it works. And you go, Ooh. it works. Uh, also, shout out uh, Pablo Adan, uh, who did the voice of the fawn. Mm. Um, worked. It, Doug Jones did learn all of the lines in Spanish. Yes, he did. Um, and then Pablo Adan ended up dubbing over it. They wanted a different uh, sound for the fawn. Um, but said that Doug Jones's work on set was like indispensable. Like he was like, I would not be able to do this good of a performance well, without Doug Jones's work on set, which is like fucking great. Like they're the two of them working together to make the fawn this horrifyingly beautiful creature is spectacular. Yeah. I mean, they got rid of him, so he's not it. What did you say? In, in, indisposable? You did say indisposable. No, indispensable. indispensable. Uh, well, no, because they because got Doug rid of Jones, him. They got rid of his voice. You can't say but that. But Doug Jones, like on on, that's what they said. Like Doug Jones, like on set, like being able to say all the lines and like move the mouth of the fawn correctly, so that uh, Pablo Adan could come in and just like match the like kind of cadence with which Doug Jones was saying it Ooh. just with a different voice and someone who, uh, uh, whose native like, tongue is native Spanish. Yeah. Native tongue is Spanish just means that that performance is like, so it, it, I think it, the fact that Doug Jones does not natively speak Spanish, but learned all the lines in, uh, phonetically to then have a native Spanish speaker speaker, kind of dub over it matching the way that doug jones said it meant that the fawn sounded so different from everybody else because it wasn't someone who spoke spanish yeah the way that they would speak the way that pablo don would probably make the choices of like how does the fawn sound yes as we go through this are very different to the way that doug jones would make those choices right yes and so the fawn ends up sounding so different from all the other people in the movie because like he is from another world but quite literally doug jones does not natively speak spanish so doug jones would sound different speaking spanish does that make sense you did lose me i'm not gonna lie (laughs) okay the fact that like everyone else in the movie natively speaks spanish yes right except for the fawn and because of the way that Pablo Adan dubbed over Doug Jones, it means that the fawn sounds different from everybody else in the movie, which adds to the like magical image that we have of the fawn. I, yeah, I get what you're saying. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are just differences in the way Doug Jones would. They still got rid of his be, of my boy Dougie Jones audio. They got <laughs> they got they got rid of his voice, but it, it, like it said in like all the all the stuff that I was reading, that Pablo Adon just matched the as best he could the way that Doug Jones said it. Yes, I, I believe that. Yeah, but what so a performance it just from both it. of them. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal. It, this movie is stupid good. It is, like, this is where we can talk about the real world and how 
because that this is while watching it that's why i was just thinking of just like ah oh, dang yeah this is well i watched it i watched this a couple weeks ago yeah so true it. it was like tensions were rising but exactly but, tensions were rising yeah. and you saw our guy torture people <laughs> oh my god the fucking information when he, yeah when he has to stitch his cheek back together Oh my god. Also uh, how do you how are you feeling about the the body horror? Meow. Sorry? How are you feeling about the body horror? I think I think it's really effective. Muffet, come here. Don't just stand there and yell at me. Come on. Come on. Um I think I think it's really effective. I think I think Guillermo um really knows like he clearly has a, has a very deep understanding of like how bodies like move um, and how to make these like fantastical creatures look real. And so when he can apply that same sort of logic to like a human being, it's fucking fun. It's great. It's, it's so wild to watch mm-hmm. seeing the way that Guillermo directs these actors and again, obviously, like this is a process. Actors have a lot of say in how this stuff kind of goes, especially in a scene like this. But like in the scenes where um, uh, Captain Vidal is um, is torturing uh, the his captives, it's like, oh, like Guillermo knows like how to make this. Look <laughs> he, he he's tortured a few folks. Horrifying. <laughs> he knows. <laughs> he knows. He you better you know Guillermo del Toro has a basement. That has <laughs> marked up floors. <laughs> Jesus. Um, uh, yeah, but Pan's Labyrinth is like he really. I think I don't think it comes out of nowhere. This like step up, like it feels like Kronos and Hellboy and uh, Devil's Backbone are all leading to this. It the jump between all of his previous movies and Pan's Labyrinth is astounding, but it doesn't feel like it's out of nowhere. Ooh. The the fact the stuff that comes out of nowhere for me is the fact that he keeps doing this. That he never goes Besides, back down. That I think he goes back down once. But after this, like that is what Pan's Labyrinth, because uh, it's Pan's Labyrinth, Hellboy Two, Pacific Rim, Crimson Peak, Shape of Water, Shape of Nightmare Water, Nightmare Alley. Alley. Yeah, yeah. In my opinion, five out of those six movies are phenomenal films that are all like as good as pan's labyrinth it's kind of nutty that he's just like i can just keep doing this he really took this style and just married it he got down on one knee and gave it you know the good old golden circle hellboy 2 golden circle baby he sam is leaving um yes indeed this is like the lamest movie I've ever seen. This is the goofiest, childish, most little boy <laughs> played with his toys movie. And it works so well. There's a lot of moments that just breathe where you just sit with these characters and then they just go off to this little like mystical village and have a fight then go back to their base and hang out some more. Like it's a lot of fun. And, 
you want to like spend time in this world, unlike in Hellboy, the first Hellboy, uh, where it's just cold and rainy. <laughs> like there's some cool parts. The the embassy looks like a cozy home in both movies, but in Hellboy Two, golden leaves are just falling, <laughs> just endlessly <laughs> from nowhere, cause it looks cool and it does. Mm-hmm. There is just mm-hmm. so much happening visually. Like, you can almost just take out the dialogue and put score to it, and that's a movie. You would still get it. It would still make sense. It would still be this epic fantasy. He just really understands how to move a camera. But boy, is it like... <laughs> it's like a real-life D&D game. D&D campaign. It's like goofy. And I think that's good. I can't smile without you. Can't smile without Who's you. that? Is that Barry Barry Manilow? Is it yeah? Uh I think Hellboy 2, the Golden Army, is one of the greatest comic book movies ever made. Oh, it's Golden Army. I said Golden Circle. That's Kingsman. Yeah. No! Yeah, you stupid. Yeah, much much like like marriage. It's like fighting a golden army. There, ba boom. Yeah, all right. Uh, Hellboy Two: The Golden Army, I think, is genuinely, I think, is one of the greatest superhero movies, comic book movies ever made. It's so good. It's so good. It's better than so many other stupid Marvel movies. It's so insane. It's so this movie kicks so much ass. All the fights are great. The characterization is wonderful. The the sets, the look of it, like every little bit is just like, oh, so so good. So good. I I can't get over how fucking good this movie is. I'm not sure. I but it also feels like it, it feels this I feel like this is when you're talking about the Marvel movies. Uh, and I feel like with a lot of movies nowadays, movies nowadays are made by committee. This is made by a person. You can tell that Guillermo del Toro is talking about these things because he's thinking about these things. Does he want kids? Is he ready to have kids? Is he ready to go into this news phase of his career? Is he, does he feel grown up to do it? Like it's made by a person who has something to express. Yeah. The like spotlight of like, Oh, I make movies about about monsters. Do people want that? Are people going to be upset that I keep putting like, especially after Pan's Labyrinth? Like, there were so many like my like people took their kids to go see Pan's Labyrinth because they thought it was like a fun fairy tale, yeah, <laughs> movie. And people got really upset when it wasn't, even though it's their fault. Like they should have paid more attention. But like, it's such a it's such a personal feeling film that it's just it's wonderful it's just so good it's just so good and and yeah uh, uh, i but here's my issue i love that guillermo sorry no i thought we were please 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 no i have a thing for when we move on oh um i just wish that he would you know sell different seas sometimes with with the monsters that he would, okay. you know, uh, sell a Pacific Rim, if you will. So Guillermo del Toro didn't 
do a Hellboy 3. He wanted to do a Hellboy 3. Actually, what I found out was he was going to do a sequel to Pan's Labyrinth. Boo! Boo! And then and then decided, no, no, no. I'm going to go do Hellboy 2 instead, which kicks ass. Love that. Thank you, Guillermo. You made the right choice. Um, what I love about Pacific Rim, I love Pacific Rim. I think Pacific Rim kicks ass. Um, Hellboy t- Guillermo didn't do a Hellboy 3 because they wanted to turn everything into CG. They were like, it's going to be cheaper. It's going to be easier. All this stuff, blah, blah, blah. Just make it all CG. And Guillermo was like, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, I I refuse. Then what's the point? Exactly. Then what's, what's the, the point? point? Like, and then he turns around and makes one of the best looking CG movies <laughs> of the past 10 years. Because he goes, no, I want to. I want Hellboy to be to look real. And I want those to be real monsters. So I decide that I want giant robots fighting giant aliens and it's all going to be cg and it's going to look better than anything you could hope to do and it works it really works i you said you didn't like pacific rim before when i right? first saw it and this as a, i just wasn't a fan because i think with some of his movies i think both pan's labyrinth and hellboy 2 have great p- pacing but every yeah. movie we've talked about, I feel like has trouble. And honestly, the rest of his movies kind of have pacing issues. There's always a moment is, where you're just like, all right, okay, let's go. It is Guillermo's one flaw, I would say, is his pacing of things is is a little off in most of the time. Um, so there was just moments where I was just like, what? I don't care about, we're robots, we're robots, guys. But watching it this time, I did like it more, but where in Hellboy 2, I felt like he was exploring a side of him, questioning himself as an artist and also as just a human being living on earth. Mm-hmm. It's not really here. And I feel like it's there in his late other Crimson Peak, Shape of Water, Nightmare Alley. But here, sure. he just steps back from it, which is fine. It's robots fighting aliens. I get it. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, wish, I, I wish there was something a little bit more. More there. Like the alien is just more than alien. It's, I don't know, drug addiction. I don't know. <laughs> it is more. It's climate change. It's global warming. Sure. <laughs> it is. Like, like I, I, I disagree. I think that Pacific Rim, while not as personal as Hellboy 2, still feels like Guillermo del Toro does take a step back from himself. He just spent a whole movie examining himself and he goes, okay, I got to do some up. I got to do something else. And so he go, and so he makes this movie about giant robots who can punch climate change in the face. And it's pretty, it's pretty sick, actually. Like, that's rad. I will say like, this. It's better than Don't Look Up. I'll say that. <laughs> I'll say it that. It is much better. Everything. Every movie we've talked about in since Don't Look Up is better than Don't Look Up. Like, most, movie, mo, most movies we've talked about before Don't Look Up are better than Don't Look Up. <laughs> that's not hard. That's not a high bar to pass. Um, Adam. Pacific Rim, I, I think, is, is 
is it the best metaphor for for this issue? No, it's not. They throw a nuke at climate change. Like, no, that's not the way to do that. Um, but it is also like it does come down to maybe if you know if if you and I can just have a connection with each other and deeply be empathetic towards one another maybe maybe we can save the world like maybe you and i can can fix everything that's a right? beautiful and way I think to that's turn a, pacific rib sam that's a that's what it is right like these robots can only have to be powered by two people who share a deep connection who understand each other implicitly like you get to see all of their memories and feel all of their feelings while you also pilot a giant robot that can punch climate change in the face like i don't know like this all is good to me. That's right. all is good to me. <laughs> yeah. Also, I think it's hilarious that Charlie Hunnam doesn't know how to say nonsense. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. That he, when he's not, when he has to say like regular sentences, when he's having like a normal conversation with someone, he's doing a good job. He's char- He's doing the Charlie Hunnam thing. But, but as soon as he has to start talking about the drift or, or the, or punching these aliens or anything else, it sounds like he does not believe a single word that he's saying. The and drift I love access it. the spinal cortex to make sure that the hyperladia. He is... doesn't believe a for a second. He doesn't believe any of it, and it's yeah, fucking it hilarious. Yeah, no. Also, it is Idris great. Elba. Idris Elba is the best. Great Guillermo del Toro actor. Great Guillermo yes. del specifically to Guillermo del Toro. Like yeah, really fits the vibe. And also, I feel like with... if it wasn't Ron Perlman, it could have been Idris Elba for Hellboy. I think would have fit just as well. He's a bit too smooth for Hellboy. He's a bit too. He cool. is a bit. He is a bit too. Co- I still think he could. I think the way that Ron Perlman works as a Gamble del Toro actor, I think Idris Elba could have done it. I love Ron Perlman. I really do. I think he's great. I think he's one of the great character actors, but you need a chump to play Hellboy. (laughs) You need a chump. (laughs) I get it. I get that. I totally get it. And Idris Elba is a lot of things. He's not a chump. He ain't no chump. You're right. I'm sorry. He might be a chump in real life. But maybe as as how he presents himself, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but um, you know what w- underwater movie I like? Crimson Tide. Crimson Tide. You want to know what Guillermo del Toro's next movie is? Crimson Peak. Well, Crimson Peak. I like this one. Needs a break. Lot. Everyone needs a break sometimes. Everyone needs everyone needs to just like get some money and, and work on some other stuff. I get it, man. You got shape of water in the works. You got stuff going on. You don't need to you don't need to be you don't need to make every movie ten out of ten. Sometimes you're just like, I just wanna have a nice chill day at work today. <laughs> and you make Crimson Peak, and that's okay. That's fine. So it's fine. Before yeah. we get to the things you don't like, I wanna to I feel like all three, speaking of good Guillermo actors, uh, Tom Hiddleston, Jessica Chastain, and Mia uh, Wojtkowska. Worcestershire. Um, <laughs> uh, Crimson Peak. Mia. Oh, fuck. Yeah, you see. Why, uh, 
<laughs> when Wasikowska? a K pops up, when a K and a W is in the same in the same word, Wasikowska. Wasikowska. Wasikowska is what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say that. Oh, she was in the Devil all the time. Remember the Devil all the time? Oh. That movie sucks. <laughs> they are all very good. Guillermo del Toro actors. It's kind of like going back to just all the directors we've talked about. It's kind of like M. Night Shyamalan. Like, Guillermo del Toro has a certain flow of how his dialogue goes. There is a mm-hmm. certain way that you should speak it. It, it mm-hmm. is goofy. It is cheesy. It's quite cheesy. It's a fantasy movie. Everything's cheesy. Mm-hmm. So you just need to find actors who are willing to play in that space. Yeah, and for Crimson Peak, I feel like all three actors know what movie this is. It's the most expensive B movie ever made. You know what, Andrew? I one hundred percent give that to you. It is one hundred percent yes. It, it everyone involved in this movie knows exactly what movie they are making, and it is a very it is a very expensive B movie. I. Here's here is where my other comparison to Steven Spielberg is going to come. Okay. For Guillermo del Toro, um, uh, uh, much like the way that the post feels like Steven Spielberg just kind of making a movie, yeah, because he can. He feel like uh, the post feels like Steven Spielberg is asleep while he's directing, and yet it's still better than most movies. Mm-hmm. That is what Crimson Peak felt like to me. He felt like, like he was asleep at the will. Yeah, Guillermo was just kind of like, like kind of. He knows what he, he knows the vibe that he's going for. He knows, you know, he knows the story. He's got good actors. He can just kind of like keep it chill and not really do a whole lot. Again, he obviously he was probably very involved and in all that stuff, but like it feels like he is asleep as a director. But Crimson Peak is still better than most movies. Mm-hmm. Like, Guillermo del Toro just knows, like, you know, we get this shot, we get that shot, we do the ghost comes in here, we do this, we do that. Okay, cool, we're done. Wrap it up. Easy movie. Here's, what do you not like about this film? What is it? I I don't I don't love the the B movie feeling of it. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't. L- I think the story is like mediocre at best. <laughs> like it's kind of just like, yeah, here's the rich foreign guy who comes in to scam people. They're obviously incestuous. Obviously she kills her dad. It's a big ploy to get her money. Like I was just like, yeah, okay. How are the ghosts going to come into it? And then they explained how the ghosts came into it. And I was like, great, we're, we're good. <laughs> That's all. Sometimes your horniness is going to kill you. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes you're going to be so horny that you get murdered. Although they did give one of the skeleton, the skeleton ghosts boobs. And that was hilarious. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. How? It was like sexy venom. It was like, why is this happening? Here's the thing with Guillermo. He's never gotten sexy. He's had moments of, you know, embracing his other films. But yeah. he's never gotten sexy. Then he goes full sexy two times. Back to back. Back to back. Yeah. Full sexy. Just talking about sexy. sex, baby. Just talking about these movies. <laughs> 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 
Let's see if I kept Talk going, and I can't. All the fish dicks and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here we go, Sam. <laughs> all the fish dicks and the hand jobs in movies. Let's talk about sex. He does it. He does yeah. it, and it's to me watching Crimson Peak, and I just you know with the latter half of these movies, it was just like, all right, I remember going to see these in theaters. Like I remember sure. these movies in like by beats and watching Crimson mm-hmm. Peak this time, I was like. Dang, Shape of Water. Dang, Shape of Water. While Shape of Water is this, love is great and you need love can come from from these different places, from from different sources that you might not even you might just fall in love with a fish person and he might be the sexiest person you've ever seen. And mm-hmm. that's that's what you get. But also life. Guillermo del Toro in the same breath says, but also you might have sex with your sister and love it and it will ruin, but that will ruin your life. But that, but that one right there, that will ruin that your one? life. That one? I just, that's bad. Say again? Oh, I was just repeating. Oh. It's, it's, it is so weird. And I'm just curious, like, how, how do you find that? And also to bring back other things like incest is gross. It is mm-hmm. gross. And this movie doesn't endorse incest, but it makes it look really hot. It, it makes it look hot. It makes it, I don't know if it makes incest look hot. Guillermo, that's kind of a... That's a wild... That's a wild Guillermo thing del Toro thinks uh, Jessica Chastain and Tom Hiddleston are hot together. And he knows what he's doing when he's putting that lens on there. He knows... So I'm just I'm curious. I don't what think you he's think. calling. I think he's calling those two actors hot. I don't think he is calling incest hot. Don't give me that look. Don't do a don't do a eyebrow raise. I got it. I got a big the rock eyebrows eyebrow raise at Sam. Yeah, yeah. It was a lot. I I I I agree. Like he does. This is really like him. Uh, going very sexy. I think it kind of started in in Pacific Rim. I think there is like a that scene where um uh the the Charlie Hunnam and, and Mariko, I think is her name. Yeah, I'm bad with names. Um, uh, Mako Rinko K- uh, Kichuki Kik oh fuck Kiku Kikuchi. Yeah, I don't know how to say it. I apologize. Um, Mako. When when they're like fighting, when they're doing that sparring match, it's fucking sexy. That's sexy. Right yeah. There. Like he's like starting to get it. He's starting to really pull it out. I agree that like Crimson Peak and Shape of Water are like way sexier than Pacific Rim. Are, are... But it is still there. So debilitatedly horny both those films yeah and especially yeah. crimson peak like yeah be a worcestershire <laughs> um <laughs> she's so horny for tom hiddleston she's so, oh, so horny. horny for tom immediately hiddleston. Uh, as soon as he comes on screen and she's like i want that man in me and he and guillermo del toro chooses to go he's playing you in fact look at his sister look at his sister look at his sister 
Hey, look at his sister, man. Look at his sister. <laughs> what are you doing? Hey, look at his sister. Like, he knows. I just think there is, and here we go, Sam. There's this grossness. It's gross. And I know there's some films that are gross that you don't like. From Mr. Quentin Tarantino. What's, yeah, Quentin Tarantino fucking sucks. What do, what do you see that's different? What is... I'm, uh, Guillermo del Toro makes good movies. See, don't do that! Quentin Tarantino and Quentin no, Tarantino Sam! Makes bad movies. This is, we, we've hit 200. No! No, no, no! No! If you're allowed to make puns for every movie, I'm allowed to say this. Some things never change. <laughs> Some things never change. Um, I, I, I. Here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. Quentin Tarantino makes movies for white guys who want to say the N word really bad, and Guillermo del Toro. Uh, makes movies for little freaks who just love monsters. <laughs> for, for for adults, for people who in their forties who still have uh, footy pajamas. I no. I feel like Guillermo del Toro has a pair of footy pajamas. Okay, <laughs> it's still not. That's not what I'm. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not going to sit here and insult my boy Guillermo del Toro. Um. Yeah, like I think I think Guillermo del Toro's work I think is more meaningful. I think is more personal. I think like he understands much more of of here is here is a, a a genuine thing. I think Guillermo del Toro understands how to take inspiration from from all of cinema. And Quentin Tarantino knows how to copy other cinema. So you feel that Guillermo's a bit more inspired when it comes to a lot of things in filmmaking. Yeah, just more inspired yeah. than I think. I think Guillermo just guy, has, unfortunately. Yeah, I think Guillermo just has way more personality and way more like heart put into his movies than most other directors like just uh, i i don't think i could name another director who puts more of his soul on the line with every movie martin scorsese francis ford uh, martin scorsese martin scorsese i i agree 100 martin scorsese puts his whole heart uh, in every movie and i they and I really agree. be excluded black black people and women huh they really he really go all right let me not just name white guys Phil really be excluded. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like it's 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 kind of wild. The like when you asked me when you before the podcast you you mentioned that this was a thing you wanted to talk about. I was like, I don't like in the way that like you when you when we did licorice pizza you said like, uh, you were talking about like who are Paul Thomas Anderson's like contemporaries. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, like Quentin Tarantino, blah, 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 all these other, all these other people. And you kind of went like, Oh, no offense. Paul Thomas Anderson is in another league. Yeah. Uh, from all these other guys. That's how I feel about Guillermo del Toro. I feel like Guillermo del Toro is like, do it. Something should be different. in the, 
doing something different. I think Guillermo del Toro should be in the same conversations as Scorsese, as Coppola, as Spielberg, like should be like considered one of the gods of cinema in the way that, that those other guys are. Yes. Uh, And I mean, in quite, he would be the fish God, fish God, the shape of water, 2017's the the shape of agua. Best picture best picture what got him the oscar this is the one i believe isn't it crazy was nominated but this was it was not i don't know if it was nominated for best picture um isn't it crazy how shape water won best picture and then they just skipped the oscars for a couple years and then parasite won best picture that's crazy wasn't that crazy (laughs) isn't that wild how that happened imagine we could have had like three great best picture winners it's never happened in my lifetime. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'm going to look up Pan's Labyrinth Oscar noms, but um, uh, you talk about Shape, Shape of Water is such. I wrote this out in my letterbox. I said it's the A side of Crimson Peak if it was an album. Shape of Water is mm. the A side, Crimson Peak's the dirty B side. Um, it's such a lovely movie, such a lovely, sweet movie that understands everyone just wants to be loved and we all aren't enough. But isn't that why we're enough? Like, there's something so beautiful about that. It's very sweet. And like, especially when the time it came out, it was, I feel like a mm-hmm. movie... Especially, you know, you were here in the States. This was freshly yeah. after President Trump 2017. Remember 2017? Remember that hellscape? That's that was crazy. I mean, it's worse now. We thought so much worse. We now. thought that was a hellscape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so much worse <laughs> now, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> um it was such a it was great to hear people say, Hey, have you heard have you seen that fish banging movie? Like, this was a part of, like, culture. Like, people talked about it. Like, it was a movie that was just saying, hey, love is great. Some psychopaths always tried to bring you down, but pay no mind to them. Mm -hmm. Chase your heart. Follow your heart. Chase your heart, too. What do you feel about Shape of Water? Uh, Before I get into that, just Pan's Labyrinth Oscar won a bunch of stuff. Nominated for a million things all over the place. Uh, for Oscars specifically, uh, one art direction, cinematography, and makeup, uh, and was nominated for original screenplay, foreign language film, and original score. Uh, yeah, so it won a lot of it won it won three Oscars. Pan's Labyrinth for three other ones did. Yeah, this yeah. was Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, yeah, um, but won a bunch of other stuff. Also, I said the wrong name earlier, and I and I apologize. Uh, Maribel Verdu, uh, Verdu uh, is the one who played the the maid. The woman I mentioned was the was the, mother. the woman you mentioned earlier. Was she the mom? Yeah, yeah. I mean, all all of they were all great. <laughs> also, also did fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but specifically Maribel Verdu uh, did. And speaking of great performances. Phenomenal. I, I was controversial then, and it might be controversial now. Sally Hawkins should have won that Oscar. Frances McDormand won that Oscar for Three Billboards Outside Ed, Missouri. 
Sally Hawkins should have won. It's such a beautiful, vulnerable performance, and it's great. It is it is astonishing that anyone, anyone in this modern landscape of cinema could have pulled off that performance, and Sally Hawkins did it. Did it like it was no problem. I think her performance I... is gorgeous. It is it is gorgeous. That is a that is a real coin flip for me between Francis McDormand and Sally Hawkins that year. Three Billboards is good. Um I think knowing that Francis McDormand should should be nominated and win for Macbeth. Um in retrospect, I wish that she didn't win for Three Billboards because she deserves to win much more for Macbeth than she does for Three Billboards. Yeah. And Sally Hawkins definitely deserves it for Shape of Water. Uh, Shape of Water is one of the best movies. Period. It's so good. It's I was watching it and I was just like, like just completely enraptured again, like all over again. I was caught up in it and I was like, oh man, I'm just, I'm in love with every moment. This also movie is like full of character moments, full of tiny little things that like, seep in and just make it feel so real and so alive in, in a way that that no other movie I've seen in a long time has mm-hmm. other than Guillermo del Toro stuff like it is it is like oh man it's I was like it was it was a lot I was it's really good made you speechless yeah it, it's it's so powerful it's so well done it's so beautiful it blows licorice pizza's take on this thing out of the water um in such a in such a big way and i had to i had to bring it up please please Uh, you want to talk about i'd love to talk about it i think this i think this takes a big old dump on licorice pizza and goes you bitch you thought like i think like i think this is paul thomas anderson attempting to do shape of water and failing miserably you know what? I think you're. I think you're right. I think Paul Thomas Anderson did sit down in, in, in uh, Shape of Water and said, "Oh, this is some kid stuff. Kid stuff." <laughs> thanks, thanks. That's it. Andrew, thanks. That's it for me. <laughs> Andrew, I have to find the the thing about it is I have to find like a a good like up to a minute long clip of our podcast to use as our like little <laughs> clip that I put on social media and I want to use that one real bad. I know I shouldn't, but I want to use that one real bad. Ooh, we'll see. That's so funny. We'll see tomorrow. We'll see we'll see how I feel. Um that's so funny. Yeah, but yeah, I like right this is this we're in preferences now like Honestly, and this is how I truly think about it, mm. Guillermo del Toro made a really great movie. Made a great movie that deserved to win Best Picture. That was my pick for Best Picture that year. Glad it won. Mm. Great. Yeah. I think Paul Thomas Anderson made a great film. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, get the fuck, I think he made a great get the film. Fuck out of, get the fuck out of my podcast. <laughs> um, But... I I want to hear in your words like what do you, what is Guillermo del Toro trying to say about love and trying to 
I want to hear. Yeah. Uh, uh, when he looks at me, he does not know how I am incomplete. He sees me as I am. That's it. That's it. That's love, baby. That's all it is. It does. It don't matter about nothing. Nothing else matters. Guillermo del Toro goes. That's it. That's love, right there. In like one of the, the like one of the most heartbreakingly powerful scenes I've seen in most movies is that scene with with Sally Hawkins, um, and uh, the always always wonderful Richard Jenkins. Mm-hmm. And also uh, one more cast member, Mister Mister. Talking about great Guillermo del Toro actors coming Michael out of nowhere. Stuhlbarg. I mean, Michael Stuhlbarg is great. He's great in this movie. But yeah, I was just trying to jump on your shit. We know, we everyone knows who we're talking about. Michael Shannon coming out of nowhere, saying, "Oh, I can, yeah. I can be in a Guillermo del Toro movie." Uh huh. And like, if he was around when Kronos was was uh-huh. Ron Perlman not might not have a career right now. <laughs> like That's true. That's you want to not, talk about the complete Hellboy? Michael Shannon could do a Hellboy. <laughs> talk about a um, chump. <laughs> Michael Shannon's performance. Everyone's perf- like I here's the deal with Shape of Water. A lot of movies like I think are like that I would consider like perfect movies. I can still find faults in. Yes. You know, The Matrix, a perfect film. There are faults in The Matrix. Right? Yes. Like, Popstar, Never Stop, Never Stopping. A perfect film. There are faults in Popstar, Never Stop, of Never course. Stopping. Of course. I don't know if I could find a fault in The Shape of Water. I, I, I might be able to if I really give it a lot of thought, but I, like, off the top of my head... I watched this movie like two, three days ago. I, I could not tell you a problem that I have with this movie. I think it's just good. Just perfect. Every performance is incredible. Octavia Spencer is also great. Octavia Spencer, Michael Stuhlbarg, like uh, just everybody is so good. And once again, Fish Fishman 2.2, 2.0. Fish, Fishman 2.0, Doug Jones. Oh my god. Um just just gorgeous. The score is incredible. Like every bit of this movie just works together. It's just it's so good. I normally am not a fan of dream ballets. I fucking love this dream ballet. It's so good. I love seeing a little fish man do a little tap dance. Hell yeah. Like when I say I love that scene, when I say <laughs> I love that scene, <laughs> like when I say it's everything that I've ever wanted, like that's it. It's yeah. just like, yeah, that's no, it. it's a fish man dancing. Like, yeah, it's silly, but like, come on. And then he, he like wiggles a little bit and you're like, no, that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Take that off the screen. But then it goes, but she really loves him. And you're like, well, hey, don't we all want love? It's, yeah, it's great. And I think I think just the way that, that Guillermo is like, this feels like like Guillermo just like takes a knife and carves out his own heart to like show us how he thinks of is Guillermo love del Toro and buried? the world. Sorry to cut you off. I don't know. 
No, no, that's a va- a valid a valid cutoff. Um, it. He's married to Jennifer Lawrence. What? <laughs> it does not appear to. It does not appear that he is married. Mm. Was married to Lorenza Newton. They have two daughters. Um, they separated in 2017, early 2017. Oh, so right. Oh. Right, like during this. Oh, this was his good breakup Lord. movie. This was his breakup oh, movie. Ooh, Sam. Oh, what a breakup movie. You'd rather oh you'd rather be God. with the fish than me. That's not what he said. <laughs> that's just that's absolutely incredible. It's wild. That's so pain. That Did hurts. He cheat? Uh, it just says that they separated. I'm going to do some Guillermo yeah. research after this podcast. Yeah. You know, the research after the podcast. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> it says uh, they have two daughters. They started dating when they were in like college, it looks like. Separated in early 2017. Divorced in September of the same year. Um, uh, in 2021, he married film historian Kim Morgan. Sick. That's great so 2021 he got he got remarried um but this was his this was his i like i don't uh, it feels like like she wanted to end it and he did not this feels like he's that honestly puts madly in love with someone it puts crimson peak in a different light yeah right does put crimson peak in a different light that's that's someone who's arguing every day yeah. Stop but this mean woman point, won't is... let me be me. Let me yeah. This mean woman, this mean lady won't let me play with my toys. Yeah. I don't know Man. why I'm just going after everybody today, but I just I don't know. I why. chose chaos. I chose chaos. That's how I yeah. that's how I'm feeling tonight. But man, yeah. Uh, I'm such this a being... nightmare. Imagine you're getting separated from your from your your partner. You have two children together. You're getting separated. And they make this fucking movie? And they go on to make The Shape of Water? God, what a wild... What a, I would love to know Lorenzo Newton's thoughts. I want to hear all about it. That's crazy. Yeah. Must be a nightmare. Was it her... Like, what, it must be a nightmare. Uh, but like, was it her idea? Was it not? I don't know. This is crazy. But like, just to finish my point before we move on, this shape of water feels like Guillermo del Toro carving out his own heart and showing it to everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, licorice pizza does not feel like that. I disagree. And I think I think <laughs> I think those are that is the biggest difference for me about like the way that they're talking about love for. Also, like the level of like fantastic fantasy that is that exists in the shape of water is like, oh yeah, cool, we can do this. But uh, real people are pedophiles. Fish gods don't exist. You know, there is there is a way to talk about love 
with with people who who feel like they are undeserving of love without having it be about pedophiles. Sometimes you gotta be gross and scary, like a nightmare. I not with hey maybe not with pedophilia. Nightmare <laughs> without Alley. actively discouraging pedophilia. We're here, twenty twenty one. Pizza. Licorice Pizza's greatest also, movie ever. Uh, nightmare Pizza, Alley, twenty twenty one. Came out this year. Saw it in theaters. Came out last year. Saw it. Saw it. Came out a few months ago. (laughs) (laughs) Came out in less than four months ago. (laughs) Yeah, came out December 2021. We saw it. We're here. We're here. What? A weird movie. I love this film. I love Nightmare Alley. I love Nightmare Alley. I just don't... Now that we're here, I was like, alright, time to wrap things up. Oh, now we're at the the big... the, the crescendo of all of this. Yeah. Like... Yeah. It's... He has Pinocchio coming out later this year, the animated Pinocchio. Yes. He's gonna make so many more movies. So I, I can't yeah. wait to see how his career evolves but oh yeah. ending with nightmare alley with this on our podcast it's just like it's we you, you really see a portrait of a guy of of yeah of all his fears and insecurities yeah um i guess we should talk about the movie though nightmare alley what did you think i love nightmare alley i uh, full disclosure this is the one movie of guillermo del toro's that i have not seen recently i saw it uh when i saw licorice pizza which was like at the beginning of january so it's been a couple months it's not available in canada and i don't have an hbo max account to use with my vpn uh so i couldn't watch it it'd be like that um so i couldn't watch it but uh I want to watch it as soon as it's available to watch. I'm watching it. Like of course. I, I got to rewatch this movie. Um, I, I love nightmare alley. Like my jaw from, okay. This is actually real. This movie just came out. Spoilers for nightmare alley from the first gunshot that happens in that movie, which is the, almost the end of the film. Yeah. <laughs> from that moment, to the end of the credits, my jaw was like on the floor. Yeah. Like it, it is just like it, it ebbs and flows and it moves back and forth in like so many different ways. It's like, is this a love story? Is this like the descent of this like man into whatever hell is for him? Is this, is he man or weird... beast? You decide. Yeah, is he man or beast? Uh, like all of it is it, just going back and forth and it's really unclear and i don't know if there's a if there is an answer by the end of that movie but like my god guillermo knows how to take you on a goddamn ride and and make you think about a lot of stuff this is a capital m monster movie with yeah no scary monster in it it is can i i'm excited i get to tell the story of how i watched this movie Please tell me all about your thoughts on Nightmare Alley. One night, so Speed Racer, the Wachowski Speed Racer (laughs) was showing at the Roxy on 35 millimeter. And I'm an old man and I like to get my tickets physically. 
so I walk down to the Roxy Theater and I buy uh, a ticket to uh, Speed Race and I see that they're playing Nightmare Alley on film and I was like, ooh, maybe, maybe I'll catch it, you know, later on this week. I didn't know they shot it on film. Great. Then I learned this film's from the 30s. This new Guillermo del Toro movie's a remake. And I was like, oh. Yeah. And it was the weekend that Nightmare Alley came out. And I was like, well, I could see this movie, the 1930s or 1940s film, then just go to a movie theater and go see the new Nightmare Alley. That's an experience Mm -hmm. that I haven't done and probably will never do again. Yeah. GG's, let's go. (laughs) And the entire time watching the original, I thought it was a monster movie because, you know, Guillermo del Toro's making a movie. Yeah. So the whole time I'm like, "Where's where's my man Doug Jones?" At? Exactly. I was like, "So where's the creature? So what's happening?" And then it ends the the film, the older film ends with uh it's a cop out. So everything happens, he goes back, he, you know, falls from grace, he becomes mm-hmm. a alcoholic, goes to the uh new carnival, and then mm-hmm. he's like, "I can put you at the geek position, it won't be for long." Yada, yada, yada. Then we cut to him escaping as a geek, and he was like, I didn't want to do this. Then Rudy Mara's character, she's also working at this uh, carnival. She's like, I forget the character's name, but she's like, Bradley? I'll just say Bradley. Bradley, is that you, Bradley? (laughs) And he turns around, and he's like, that's me. And she's like, ah, we all stumble sometimes. We just need a hand to to help us get up. And then that's how the movie ends. It ends on a happy Damn. That's whack. So the entire time, and also I didn't understand what geek was. Sometimes I daydream during movies. This is all movies. That's what. So the entire time they were talking about the how, geek. This is how Andrew watches movies, everybody. I was, Don't worry like, about it. I was like, why are they talking about it? I was walking out and someone had the same question while we were walking out. And some woman said, oh, a geek is the guy who bites chickens, chickens heads off. And I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. And it like painted the whole movie in context. And I was like, oh. Yeah. That's a good. Yeah. What in the world is Guillermo del Toro going to do? So then I ran uh-huh. and I went to go see it at AMC 19th Street. And Guillermo, is he okay? <laughs> I don't know. What guilt does this is some Temple of Doom level guilt? <laughs> what, like. <laughs> He's everyone. Everyone's afraid of being Bradley Cooper, right? That's everyone's biggest fear. I say everyone, yes. but you know, yeah, yeah. What he? I mean, Guillermo del Toro is very successful. Does he think he's a fraud? Like, I'm just like, is he afraid? Is he like? <laughs> we talk about these, you know. Pan's Labyrinth, Hellboy 2, Pacific Rim, Crimson Peak, Shape of Water, Nightmare Out. We talk about all six films all being great. Is he burning the the candle at both ends? Can he not do it anymore? Like, I don't know. This movie does feel so vulnerable and so like, I don't know what I'm, I don't know, I don't, I'm so scared. (laughs) Is that just me or do you also feel this? No, it it definitely feels like it definitely feels like Guillermo is grappling with with some kind of 
like imposter syndrome sort of feeling of like like he had he had just won an oscar he had just won yes. best picture yes he had just won like best director like the award right like one of the highest honors that you can receive in this in this art form and i think i think it kind of shook him up a bit i think it kind of it kind of got to him that he was like i just made a movie about incest and a movie about robots punching aliens in the face and my movie about a woman fucking a fish god wins best picture what? That's not supposed to happen. That's not supposed to happen. What's going on? Like it's... it fe- it very much feels like <coughs> it, it it almost feels like Guillermo is trying to like pinch himself awake with Nightmare Alley. Like he's Ooh. kind of like I have to be dreaming. This has to like there's no way. It it feels much like a, the part of why I love Guillermo is he's just like I don't know, I have this really complicated feeling and I don't really know what to do about it. So I'm going to go make a movie about it. Yeah. And then we get stuff like Shape of Water, like Pan's Labyrinth, like Nightmare Alley that are just like, oh man, you're, you're, holy shit, man. Like you are going through it. And I, and I love it. I appreciate that so much. Like as as an artist, I I just want to, I love that Guillermo doesn't care what, his audience thinks like he's just going to do his own thing. He's like, no, this is the thing that I want to explore. This is the thing I got to talk about. I'm going to go make this fucking movie. And it's great. I love it. It is great. Bradley Cooper's also really good. Kate Blanchett. Oh boy. Also. Oh my God. I, I haven't seen a film use movie stars in such a way in such a long time like yeah you he grabs people who aren't just who won't just sell a movie they do sell movies but not just that they have this thing called a a presence a screen presence they demand the screen having having Kate Blanchett and Bradley Cooper fight it out just using their words and their bodies and the way it is Using- and having one of the greatest character actors of our time, Willem Dafoe, be in like the first half, the first half maybe of your movie, and just cause, just cause, why not? Why not have Willem Dafoe do it? Like it's ah, it's amazing. It is, yeah. It. I I feel like I will say this. I'm rooting for other movies for Best Picture this year. I feel mm. like this movie's really going to age well. Yes. <clears throat> I think it will age really, really well. It's a movie that we'll look back on. When people say we don't make movies like that anymore, Nightmare Alley came out. That exists. Yeah. <clears throat> this is, the, like yeah. I, I said on Letterboxd, it was right before Spider-Man came out. I was like... This is what this is what dramas need to be to stay off streaming. Mm. This is what they need to be. You can make a movie feel like a fantasy film, but it's just a hustler. It's just a hustler hustling. That's all the yeah. movie is. Yeah. Ain't no magic. 
Ain't no magic, ain't, ain't no sorcery, no, no witches, no ghouls. Nothing. Yeah. It's uh, and it's so, so heartbreaking. Like I get it. I get seeing that movie. I have I didn't watch a trailer to that movie, but I bet the movie looked like an action film. I bet the movie looked like some weird psychological thriller. It looked yeah, a bit, and and my biggest complaint with Nightmare Alley is that I wanted it to be weirder. Ooh. Is that I wanted more, like the the shots of like Bradley Cooper sitting in the burning house, and like his like night his actual nightmare stuff, like all the dream imagery that was in Nightmare Alley. Uh, I wanted just more of that, and that was that's it. Mm-hmm. That was my only problem with Nightmare Alley is I just wanted it. <laughs> Like, I understood that, like, oh, yeah, this is a movie about, like, a hustler. Like, all of these are just tricks and they're all fake and all this stuff. But internally, I wanted I wanted Bradley Cooper's struggle to be a bit weirder. Yeah. Visually, at least. Visually weirder. Um, Especially coming off of stuff like Pan's Labyrinth and Shape of Water. And to really tie it with a bow, Ron Perlman was great. He was and Rob Perlman a, was great, baby. What a big, big meaty man! What a big meaty yeah. man, big meaty boy. Yeah, um, man, Guillermo del Toro, amazing. Yeah, we we did it, right? Look at that. We did it. We did it. I. What is that? Eleven movies. Yes, eleven movies. Um, I want to go first because I really want you to have the last word. Uh, but sure. Yeah, watching these movies, especially after David Lynch, specifically, especially after watching all of Twin Peaks Return in one sitting, like, (laughs) it was, and still even watching a lot of these back to back to back, it was really fun. It was the exact change of pace and the exact storytelling that personally i needed to see at this moment Mm -hmm. it is so much fun and much like david lynch it is an artist not caring what people think it is an artist Mm -hmm. for better and for worse doing what they're gonna do and sticking by their guns and if they if this is the last movie at at least it's their last movie and it hasn't for me especially since pan labyrinth pan's labyrinth it hasn't really Fallen. He is. He is a very great, and beautiful filmmaker. That I'm. There's only. There's so much more of his career left. Um, mm-hmm. 20th Century Fox doesn't exist anymore. They are the ones who produced his last three films. So we'll see. We'll. I guess we'll that see. Haunted Mansion movie. <laughs> that's. Yeah. He's been talking about that. Who knows? Maybe they'll redo the Hobbits, and he he'll finally get a shot. <laughs> like yeah i'm so excited to see in this post spider-man no way home world what he's allowed to do and with those restrictions how much is he gonna push it yeah um yeah i, I went into this excited to watch Gamble del Toro. I had heard nothing but good things. I loved Nightmare Alley. I love Shape of Water. I love Pacific Rim. I love Hellboy. I was like, I'm sure I'm going to like this guy just as a dude. Seems like a cool dude to watch all his art. Uh, and now Gamble del Toro is like one of my favorite directors. Like I, I, I 
could not name uh, other than you know the other greatest of all time the martin scorsese's the steven spielberg's of the world could not tell you another director that puts as much as of themselves into every movie uh as guillermo del toro and yeah since since uh pan's labyrinth other than for me crimson peak it's just been banger after banger like and and look i i still appreciate crimson peak it's a big swing and I appreciate that big swing. It looks stunning. I just didn't like the story. I just thought it was kind of whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, other than that, it, everything's really fucking good. Um, and it's just personal and, and interesting and just the vibes of it are good. I don't know. Like, I don't, other than like, I don't know Greta Gerwig's Little Women. I don't know. I I I don't know other like really good cozy movies that like Greta Gerwig's Little Women and The Shape of Water are just cozy. Have you seen Amelie? Are just nice. No, I have not. Amelie's like quite literally. What if you put Shape of Water and Little Women together? That you would get okay. Amelie. I highly suggest Amelie. I all of the like kind of shitty quote-unquote artsy girls that i've ever met who have seemed cool but then actually been shitty people uh all the they all their favorite movies are amelie much like rick and morty sucks yeah but right sucks but real sometimes creative. it happens yeah uh, how can that yeah, be just, painless yeah it's it's good man i love guillermo del toro i'm there day one for whatever he's got pinocchio left. Oh yeah, I'm so excited. Um, yeah, I just I want him to just keep doing what he wants to do, man. I just love it. I'm just into whatever he's got going on. He's a little freak. Uh, You're a little freak. And yeah, the message of a lot of these movies, you guys got to stick together. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking great. Uh, yeah, God, so good. Just thinking about little bits from all the different movies. So good. Um, anyway, my name is Sam Bandy. I am Andrew Thomas. Thank you so much for listening to this long episode. Uh, Guillermo del Toro is a lot to talk about. He's made so many good movies. You're turning we could Italian. Fill an hour. It's a lot to we talk could about. Fill an hour. <laughs> uh, we could fill an hour with every movie he's made since Pan's Labyrinth. Yes. That's just a fact. So the fact that we got through all of them in an hour and forty five, I think, is is, is the best we could have done Indeed. <laughs> given the circumstances. <laughs> um, Cause yeah, I could have done, I could have done a month of just doing Guillermo episodes every week. <laughs> I would have been fine with that. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, yeah. Um, if you want to support the show, that would be great. Uh, you can follow us all over the place at welcome back pod. You can also join Lennox studios in producing us over on our Patreon, patreon.com slash welcome back pod. Yeah. 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 <laughs> For as little as five bucks a month, you get a bonus episode every single month. Uh, the day before this episode comes out on our main feed, I posted our bonus episode for February. Me and Andrew played uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and Jeopardy. And Andrew kicked my ass so hard. Just like, 
just walked me up and down the fucking aisles. <laughs> um, I've never heard that phrase before. I think I think I was trying to go wipe the floor, but then I said walk, and then I didn't know where. To go. I love it though. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it would mean the world if you want to support us over there. But we totally understand if you don't have the money, don't want to give us money. Totally get it. Follow us on social media. The if world you has only show, gotten worse. <laughs> Yeah, it's only gotten worse. Subscribe on all the different uh, podcatchers of your choice. Uh, like us, review us, rate us, all the different stuff on all of those different things. Just means the absolute world to us. Um, all in all. Andrew. Hey. Listen. I really, I really say it. Guillermo del Toro knows that every single person with a heartbeat walking on this earth is a little freak. Is a little freak. A freak. Yeah, a little, a little creep, just a little, little creepy, creep, creep. Yeah, but we all deserve of love. Well, actually, not all. Guillermo del Toro specifically says not all. <laughs> not all. Fascist. It. Yeah, underlines. Fuck you, fascist. Fascist uh, and Bradley Cooper. <laughs> fascist and Bradley Cooper. Fascist and and straight white men are the people who are not allowed. Who usually one and the same. But those people are not allowed to, look to have love. Um, but if you're anyone else in a Caramel Del Toro movie, connect with your friends. And while you're connected with your friends, listen to us. I hope we, mm-hmm. we sparked something. We just talk about movies and how it made us feel. How did it make you feel? Tell it to your friends. And then while you're telling your friends, tell them about us. That's the best way to do this, baby. That's the best way to do it. Um, also, I'll mention this again next week because it will still be a thing, and I'll probably do it at the beginning of the episode. But obviously, um, there is so much going on right now in the world. Uh, if there are any charities that you want to donate to, please do that before you give us any money. Um, there are plenty of charities to help the, the people of Ukraine uh, deal with all of that stuff that's happening over there it's very i don't know all of the intricacies of that situation i've tried to figure out some of it through different news articles and all of course yeah it's a lot um and uh, a big uh thing also there are so many charities to try and help uh trans youth uh of texas um with this fucking greg abbott thing yeah um, is absolutely disgusting uh, and need, at all costs, protect uh, trans kids. Trans kids deserve to become trans adults uh, so much. And uh, just, holy shit, just help. If if you're going to take one message away from Guillermo del Toro, is help other people. Help other discriminated people. Help Just help out people who are against fascists. <laughs> And uh, just just help out the little freaks in your life. Help out the little freaks. Ain't that the truth? 